Good tidings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the Landy Lodge podcast. Before we launch this episode, we have some special people we need to thank, those special people being the sages of the lodge, those who donate monthly to keep the lodge moving, allows us to buy new equipment, and invest into the project. So, big shout out and big thank you to Charlotte Astry, Alex Pamal, David Fries, Shane Thomas Driscoll, Chris Perkowski, Corey Barchat, Scott Castellano, The Family, Andrew Parker, Nick Taborski, Kevin McBride, Michael Fay, Richard Arnold, and of course, Andrew Clay. If you'd like to become a Sage of the Lodge by donating as little as a dollar a month, you can find a link in the episode description, be it whether it's on YouTube or any of the audio platforms, or simply go to my Instagram at the.landy.lodge, and you will find a link in my bio. So, Thank you to everybody, thank you to the Sages of the Lodge, and thank you for tuning in. And without further ado, let's get on with it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Landy Lodge podcast. I am your host, Nick, and today we are talking about what's become one of my favorite games of all time. I've only just recently played it in the last few months, but boy is it sticking with me. And that is Persona 4 Golden. And I think even though this game does get a lot of love, I think it deserves even more love. Now, let's just get right into it. Let's skip over all the semantics, skip over all the fluff. I truly believe in my heart of hearts, nothing, nothing ages a game better than a story and a plot. If your game has a compelling story and a compelling plot, it really doesn't matter how old the game is. It will help it age tremendously. And I think Persona 4 Golden is the perfect example of this. Because let's be honest, Atlas is not the biggest development studio in the world. Especially back when they made Persona 4 Golden, they were still, even more so than they are now, a much smaller studio. At least when compared to, say, something like Square Enix or Capcom, even. Um... So there are some quality of life features or maybe some graphical qualities that are lagging behind from that game's era. But what Atlas does best, in my opinion, is the story. And Persona 4, I, you know, I, after playing Persona 5 The Royal, I truly believe that that very well might have been one of, if not my favorite story ever told in gaming. I would have never guessed that had we just turned the clocks back to Persona 4 Golden, that they told a story that is equally as good. In fact, if you're someone who prefers Persona 4 Story to 5, I completely understand why. Me personally, I still prefer 5, but that's also because I've I've played it three times. I've only played Golden once. Um, I do plan to play it again sometime this year. I'll be playing... I'm going to live stream it, as a matter of fact, so if you don't already, follow me on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Lodge. But, um, story-wise, Persona 4 holds up with any modern game. I'll, I'll die on that hill. Persona 4 Golden Story and the character development, character moments, all of that put together, it holds up. Absolutely holds up to today's standards. But now let's talk about the gameplay. Speaking of things that may or may not hold up to today's standards. So, in terms of turn-based combat, they have a winning formula. Like, I, I haven't played many of the Shin Megami Tensei games. I've really only played the Persona series, and I know that's technically a spinoff, but they've got a very smooth combat system. You know, it's it's not trying to do too much. It's 
it does a good job, and, you know, I'm sorry if this comparison might bother people, but in a sense, when you're going out in turn-based combat and capturing these personas and using them in battle, it's, it's like Pokemon meets Final Fantasy. And that doesn't do it justice, it's just the best way that I could put it. Um, I think the highlights of the gameplay are actually the life simulator stuff. Like, don't get me wrong, the combat is great, but the dungeon crawling, at least when compared to Persona 5, the dungeon crawling kind of falls off a little bit. It's very much the same thing over and over and over, and Atlas has shown that they're better than that. They can design an entire palace that doesn't just randomize the way it looks. And I think that's a cool feature, and I think it was cool to see them integrate that into Mementos in 5, but I am really happy that this sort of dungeon design is now more of a secondary design as opposed to a primary. But now, keeping on things that Atlas does incredible, the soundtrack. Again, Persona 5 was my first Persona, one of my favorite gaming soundtracks of all time. I would have never guessed that going back to Persona 4, that we would get a, uh, a soundtrack that compares um, to the quality of 5's. I, I might even prefer Persona 4's soundtrack, and I never thought I would have said that going in, but I was so pleasantly surprised by the soundtrack. It's so, in a very Persona way, it's so versatile. It's got many different moods, many different genres attached to it. Um, really took me for a spin, and it's one of the many things, one of the many, many, many things that prove that this game deserves even more love than it has. Because, again, if we're talking about things that age a game well, Soundtrack is another one of them. But now let's talk about Social Links. This is a system that I absolutely adore, and I think every single RPG out there needs to start emulating it as soon as possible. I'm not saying make carbon copies of it, but whether we're talking about the Social Links in this game or the Confidants in 5, this is a system that's remarkable. And the social links here are a little more simple and a little more straightforward. But they still hold up. And if you were to put a system like this in a modern game, I think it would still hold up. Uh, I will say... I wish that the social links that weren't in your main party had some sort of benefit. Like, I didn't like that, you know, maxing a social link out uh, for a character like, say, a character like I... You know, maxing her whole thing out doesn't get you any benefits. It's just, you maxed her out, hooray. And it's cool, don't get me wrong, you get cool stories out of it, but, you know, that would be my only complaint. But, you know, just as an intro, uh, I absolutely love this game. I think it needs absolutely more love, but I want to spend the rest of the time talking about the characters, because, you know, I talked about how the story is the strength, and the strength of the story are these characters. So I just want to pull them up, I want to talk about them briefly for two minutes, my favorite things about them, maybe some of my favorite moments or combat styles. Because, um, again, the game's characters, games today, strive to have the kind of character development that this game has. So, first things first, let's start with this boy right here, Yu Narakami. This is the main protagonist you play as. And you name him whatever you want to name him. But I believe I believe his kind of name is you, uh... You Narukami, excuse me. You Narukami. <laughs> Jesus Christ. But anyway, um... I have to say, though, after just singing its praises, this is actually kind of the weak point for me. I love this character. He's very cool. I love his design. The, all of it looks cool to me. Don't get me wrong. 
but the characters never refer to him as anything, right? Like, you name Joker in Persona 5, but all the characters still refer to him as Joker, and in a way that humanizes him, that personalizes him. Um, but for this character, they didn't have anything to call him. They'd call him leader sometimes, or Yosuke calls him partner, but it didn't do enough to humanize him. But he's a very cool character, and he does have development. I love that he becomes the rock of the family, at least between... Him, Dojima, and Nanako. This is a compassionate human being through and through. I Maybe even pure of heart, but I believe that's up to the player at the end of the day. Because, you know, you could romance every single girl and then you're not so pure of heart. But anyway, I, I really liked you, Narukami. He was a cool looking protagonist. I liked his role in the story, how they fit him in. He was very cool. But now let's talk about Chie. And I love Chie. I absolutely adore Chie. And one of my favorite things about her is she's, I think she's the first one, I mean, you bump into Yosuke, I believe you're the, he's the first one you bump into, but is the first one to talk to you. And you know, the game does a very good job of making you feel like you're in your first day of school, in a new town, you're in unfamiliar territory, you don't know anyone, you don't recognize anything, but Chie is just so forward and she comes up to you and she's kind of like, hey, you're the new guy, right? And immediately starts chatting you up. And it's great because it sort of reels you into the game and reels you into the experience. And, you know, very deliberately so, she has very vibrant colors on. So when you're in a classroom full of people who are all wearing black and white, and the girl in the green jacket starts talking to you, you know this is the first main character you're meeting. Um, Chie was great. I loved her social link, standing up to bullies, the whole ordeal. It's something we've all gone through or all have to go through. Uh, I absolutely love that she loves action movies. You know, little things like that go a long way for a character, at least for me, because it, it humanizes them. And then, it, you know, you end up, you think about your friend who, who loved action movies and was obsessed with Bruce Lee and stuff. Um, I didn't use her very much in combat. I think it's because one of the personas I got early had ice. But I, I do I do love that she was sort of the uh, beat-em-up character of Persona 4. But, you know, w without rattling on too much here, I absolutely loved Chie. I think she was a brilliant character. It was a pleasure maxing out her social link. But now let's move on to Yukiko. Yukiko, Yukiko, Yukiko. This character, to me, hit me really hard at first, just because she has the whole small-town girl thing woven into her plot, right? Her family owns the motel. It's like, so much of her life is laid out for her. Like, there's been a path carved out for her before she even knows who she is, before she's ever confronted her shadow self, before she's ever graduated high school. She's got her whole life carved out for her. And, you know, for some of us, that might sound like a relief. But at the end of the day, to her, I like that it made her feel kind of trapped. But at the end of the day, she came to a resolve, realized how much the people at that motel and inn cared about her, and she ended up wanting to stay. She didn't try to run away from who she was. You know, she is the small town girl. And there is no escaping that. Um, and I like that that sort of came full circle here. Um, I ended up romancing Yukiko in the game. I wouldn't go so far as to say she's best girl. We'll get into that. But Yukiko's adorable. She's, oh my god, her belly laughs. Her belly laughs cracked me up every single time and that was like another situation where i'm like wow i know a girl just like that who when she starts laughing she can't help herself 
And honestly, I'm kind of like that. I get into laughing fits too. So in a way, it sort of resonated with me as well. So I really love the character of Yukiko. She was one of my favorite characters in the game, and her social link was a joy. But now let's talk about my boy Yosuke. Mr. Yosuke. Now, Yosuke is definitely one of the more flawed characters in the game. And, you know, one thing I actually should have touched on when uh, I was doing that little intro, but I will touch on here, is I liked that, you know, as compared to Persona 5, where confronting your shadow self was about finding the rebel in you, or like harnessing your inner rebel, in Persona 4, and by the way, both apply, both of these examples apply to the shadow self and to the union idea of the shadow, um, but in Persona 4, it's about confronting those parts of you that are resentful that are deceitful, that have been suppressed. You know, the sides of yourself that you're actively suppressing or in denial of. And, you know, I'm still torn, but I actually think I like that concept better. I really think I like that concept of the shadow better, and I think it resonated a lot with me with Yosuke. Because Yosuke's like your character in a lot of ways, that he's from a big city, but, you know, due to family circumstances, he's moved here to this small town. And... You know, he wants to get involved with the murder scene and start investigating. And, you know, he poses it as him trying to be some kind of hero, which to a degree it is. He is, right? But part of this game's message is that human beings are complicated and that we have many different sides to ourselves. With Yosuke here, it wasn't just about being the hero or doing the right thing. It came to the fact that he was bored. He felt he was better than the small town. And that all this investigating and stuff, it was a way to sort of you know, fulfill that self-importance he was feeling. Um, but yeah, and you know, for a lot of other reasons, Yosuke is a very flawed character, but he's one of those characters that you see that by the end of the game, he's a completely different person from the guy you met in the beginning of the game. Um, I love the way the social link ends, where he's, like, where he's basically like, partner, I want you to fight me. I want you to fight me. And you guys just have a fist fight uh, right by the river. It's, it's, it's hilarious and it's touching. Um, I think Yosuke is a really good character. Um, I wouldn't put him in my top three, maybe maybe top five, but I really like Yosuke. He was a cool character, really enjoyed his social link. But now we got to talk about this freaking guy. Oh, Teddy. Oh, Teddy. I have mixed feelings about Teddy. I like him. Overall, I like him. There were times where his character sort of annoyed me, if I'm being honest. And by the way, I know I'm comparing Persona 4 to Persona 5 a lot, but they're the only two Persona games I've played, so it helps put things in context for me. But anyway, let me just say, when it comes to, like, your supernatural aid, Morgana's way better than Teddy. I'll die on that hill. That said, let's give our man his due. Teddy's hilarious. There are so many moments, Telly, Telly, Jesus. Well, it kind of makes sense. Teddy had me belly laughing. And there were also moments like where we met his shadow where I was like, whoa, where it got, I didn't see this coming. He's just a character that's full of surprises. And that's what makes him so much fun. In fact, you know, there's probably no better way to describe Teddy other than a character that's full of surprises. Because if we're going to talk about Teddy, God, we got to talk about this. You know, I pride myself. I pride myself on being able to see a lot of things coming, on picking up on foreshadowing and being able to being able to predict how a story pans out. 
I didn't see this fucking thing coming in the slightest. I was floored when this happened. And I gotta hand it to him. It was a surprise. I thought it was cool because I thought they were going to follow that trope, right? Talking about Persona 5, where Morgana wanted to be human so desperately, but, you know, the game ends and he's not. I thought it was going to kind of be the same thing for Teddy, right? Like, you could tell there was a heart in there. There was something human about Teddy. But I didn't expect that he would, boom, just actually become human like this. So, totally threw me for a loop. One, I'd say Teddy was my least favorite, favorite character. So let's talk about who I think is probably my favorite character. Kanji is probably my favorite character in this game. I don't know yet. I have to play it a second time. But talk about a character, like, man, the, the, uh, how do I put it? The, like, two most extreme emotions a human can have is laughter and crying. Kanji made me do both. Kanji, more than any other character, would crack me up. But there are parts of Kanji's story that, to me, were very well done. Very well done. Very profound. I really enjoyed Kanji's story. I love the fact that he has a little bit of a crush on Naoto. But when he meets Naoto, he isn't sure if Naoto's a boy or a girl. Then he finds out Naoto's a boy, and then suddenly he's feeling really confused. But then he finds out Naoto's a girl, and the game does seem to imply that him and Naoto do get together, at least in some way. Um, but the whole thing, the thing that, that connected with me the most um, was the whole thing where he puts this front that he's a tough guy. You know, like he, he beats up bikers, and he's like a gangster guy, and he's... He's, he puts up this thug persona, right? Um, but he's really the biggest softie underneath it all. And the fact is, like, his talents aren't beating people up and being a thug. His talent is he can sew together stuffed animals and make children happy. And that's so cool because you meet Kanji and you don't see that coming. You know, you meet him and you're like, even if you do see the, oh, he's a big softie underneath it all trope, even if you do see that coming... You don't see him sewing stuffed animals for children. But I absolutely love that. And I love the whole, like, I guess I'll call it a miniature romance between him and Naoto. But we'll get into more of that later. Let's talk about Risei. Risei's nuts, man. I feel like Risei is a, is a great example of a character that once they join your party, things are never the same after that. And for good reason. That goes for the combat too, right? Because she sort of becomes your nav. You know, uh, your Futaba of Persona 4, as you might say. Um, if we're comparing 5 and 4 like I have, let me give 4 a point here. I prefer Risei to Futaba, in terms of a nav. Um, I thought Risei was a really cool character. I thought she was a really fun character. I have to be honest, as much as I do love this character and enjoyed her screen time when she was on screen, I do wish that less of her character had to do with loving you, you Narukami. Like, so much of her dialogue is driven towards being thirsty for him. And don't get me wrong, a lot of that is funny, and a lot of that does develop her character. Um, but, like, when so much of the dialogue she says is in that direction, it's like, I would have preferred we'd gone a little bit more internal with some of that dialogue than external towards you, Narukami. Not that her having a crush on him isn't great, that's adorable, but... I would have preferred if we could have maybe uh, spread out the pie a little bit. But 
Rise was a great character. Absolutely loved her. And now let's talk about one of my top three favorite characters, Naoto. I love Naoto. I think she's incredible. I think she's best girl. I would have romanced Naoto, but you don't want to box out Kanji, man. Like Kanji's been through too much with all that. So I was like, no, 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 no. Gotta, gotta leave, Na gotta leave Naoto for for Kanji. But I absolutely love Naoto. I think. I think the character arc they explored with her is a difficult one to explore. I think it's a very touchy thing for a lot of people, rightfully so. But it's something that they, in my opinion, I thought they really handled with care. And I thought had a very good message. And I got very attached to the character. Um, I really loved her social link. I, I just think it's cool because, you know, you spend the whole game being these detectives... And then you just bump into this girl who's just like, she's better than you. And that's a good thing, right? Because this game is all about cooperation, not competition. So you meet someone who's even better than you and you go like, oh, thank God, somebody who actually knows what they're doing. But then you see her and she carries herself with such confidence and, you know, then you find that she's really insecure. I mean, she, just like Kanji, right? She's got insecurities that in many ways, overlap with kanjis. In a way. You know, I may not be putting that properly, but you guys know what I mean. But anyway, um, I love the character of Naoto. She was great. One of my favorites. Um, I don't know. I think it's cool when you get a character like her that is around for a long time, but doesn't join your party until the end. Right? Because you have characters who... You know, like Kanji or Rise, who you meet them, and before you know it, you, you're you're fighting with them. They're in your party. We knew Naoto for a very long time. We knew Naoto almost as long as we knew Kanji. But it took her forever to get into the party, and it made it that much more satisfying. So I really loved that. Um, I think Naoto's a great character. One of my absolute favorites. But now let's talk about the girl who absolutely breaks my heart this is cheating the people who write this story who wrote this story i should say they cheated they made the cutest most wholesome little girl and they used her to tear your freaking heart out but man she's she's the heart and soul of the game there's no other way to put it she's the heart and soul of the game and you know, you, you meet her and then you see, oh my god, she's so responsible. She cooks, she's gardening, she does all these chores. And then you learn that she's not like that just because she's good, right? And that's what I love so much about the writing in this game. Is like, it's not just these characters are the way they are because it's convenient for the plot. It's actually fleshed out. Yeah, she's the perfect little girl and can do all these chores and cook. Because one, she doesn't have her mom around. And two, because, you know, the dad... The dad, Dojima, who we'll get to after this, he's he's a good father and he earns a good living, but he can't do shit around the house. So it's like this little poor little girl is just forced to grow up so fast and it just, it rips your freaking heart out, man. But I'll tell you, I think the most rewarding thing is seeing her be happy, right? You know, every day's great at your Judas. Anytime I heard that, it lit me up, man. Made me happy. And, you know, I think one of the great things to see, and this is where Nanako had a really good place in the story, um, seeing, you know, you and all your friends be so nice to her, 
Seeing all the characters always include her, always think about her, always consider her, you know, buying her gifts when they go on their like vacations or class field trips. You know, it, it really, it, it builds it out and it gets you attached to everybody because now everyone starts to feel like one big family. And Nanako's at the center in that, in the center of that. And that's what I mean by that she's like, she really, truly, deeply is the heart and soul of this game. But let's move on to Brojima. Dojima. What, man. I got a soft spot for these characters. Just like I love Sojiro in 5, I love Dojima in 4. And I love how he takes you under his under his wing a little bit. Like, his social link is pretty much all built around staying up late with him, hanging around the dinner table, having a chat man-to-man. -man. And again, this is where I tip my cap to the writing. I love that, I'd say, for the first few points in the social link, he talks to you like a boy, like a little boy in a way halfway through he starts talking to you like you're like you are your age but by the end he's talking to you like a man you know and that that does more than just build you harakami's character that builds dojima's right because you're seeing it takes him a while to to get to know someone you know that you know he might be extroverted but he's not necessarily a social butterfly if that makes sense but I love Dojima. Um, he was a great character because, you know, not everybody's perfect. There's probably plenty of men like Dojima, who, you know, dads who do the best they can. They earn a good living, but they're not a lot of help around the house. And God bless them if they're single dads like Dojima. You know, God bless the fucking single dads out there grinding. You know, I love him. I thought Dojima was great. Let's talk about this motherfucker. Talk about this motherfucker. Now, I made it clear that there were spoilers in the beginning. Just gonna make it clear again. Major spoilers. Okay? I fucking knew it. I knew it. And I got people who will fucking vouch for that. I knew this motherfucker had something to do with this shit. Had something to do with the murders. And I, you, you can tell from the beginning... Because he plays dumb. Like, he plays the goofy fool... But then he starts leaking information to you and your friends, you know? He starts leaking information to you guys, and he plays it off like, Oh, it just slipped! But it's like you can't bump into the guy without him giving you information by accident. And that just led me to believe, like, Ah, he's leaving breadcrumbs for us. He wants us to follow the trail. Oh boy, oh boy. I love the character. I think he made a great villain. Um, He's not one of the best villains. Like, that's the thing. I think the heroes of Persona 4 are a lot stronger than the villains. Um, Adachi was great because he was always right under your nose, you know? Um, I think the game gave it away too because when you do his social link, one of his like emotes is that he's always smiling mischievously and he's got like a... You can tell from the design, he's sort of like, he's sort of crooked, right? The tie's crooked, his face is a little crooked, smiles mischievously, it's like... You know, for a clown, he doesn't seem too aloof. He seemed too deliberate. But he's a cool character. I liked Adachi. Good villain, not a great villain. Let's talk about Marie. I have mixed feelings. 
but I mostly love the character. I think where my mixed feelings come in is as amazing as the writing and pacing is in Golden, in some ways she feels a little tacked on. And I get it, she wasn't in the base game, so she very much so was tacked on, but... Excuse me. I think a character like this would have really benefited from being initially woven into the plot as opposed to retrospectively. Um, man, she's an easy one to get attached to. This is a trope I get attached to very easily when it's like you're almost teaching someone how to be human, right? Or it's like when a character has to show another character what it's like to be human. Because when you see a character like Marie learn what it is to be a human from scratch, you yourself almost like relearn along the way. And I think that's what makes Marie so cool. I love her character design. Absolutely love her character design. I think I think it's cool. I I, I get that like it's a little um how'd you put it? I don't want to say cheesy. It's a little corny. It's a little corny and a little heavy-handed, but I do like it a lot. I love the Velvet Room hat with the nice V badge. Um but Marie was a great character. The whole third semester final arc with her was a rush, man. And that final scene was really fantastic. I remember thinking, I didn't know if she was going to survive, man. I thought that we really were going to have to kill her. And I'm t I'll tell you right now, if we had to kill Marie, I probably would have cried. But good thing we didn't have to. Marie survived, she becomes the weather lady, and she ends up joining the gang. Can't really ask for much more than that. But I love Marie. Uh, I, I did, I did the whole social link, but I feel like sometimes I sort of had my head in the clouds. Uh, my second time around, I definitely want to pay more attention, but yeah, you know, that I, I like ran through all the characters there, talked about it a little bit in the beginning, but I guess I'll round us out here. Persona 4 Golden really deserves more love. And primarily, and I could talk about so many aspects of the gameplay that are brilliant, but primarily the reason why it deserves more love is because I think it's a prime example that when a game has a strong story and strong characters, that it ages it like fine wine. I really believe that. And look, don't get me wrong, there are games that are just strictly gameplay that have aged like fine wine. But Persona 4 Golden is a good, is a good example that if you can give somebody a story that's worth telling over and over, that offers more to you the more times you keep coming back, that's just your bang for your buck all over again, you know? And look, I'm a big guy on having, like, loads of content in a game and making a game worth playing over and over. I mean, think about it. We're living in a day and age where you spend 60 bucks on a video game. And then you got games like Persona 4 Golden that one playthrough will take you 90 hours. Two playthroughs will take you 150 hours. So you spend 60 bucks and you got 150 hours of entertainment out of it. And now think about how much movie theaters are costing you. For two hours of entertainment. It's stuff like this. It's games like Persona 4 Golden. That really show you how beautiful. Video games can be. But that's all I'm going to have for you guys today. Just wanted to rant quickly about Persona 4 Golden. It's turning into one of my favorite games of all time. I'm really looking forward to playing it again. Um, feel free to share your thoughts with me in the comments below. Anybody watching on the video platforms, as for everybody on the audio platforms, as always, thank you for tuning in. We're going to wrap it up here, ladies and gentlemen. Again, thank you, everybody. Thank you to the Sages of the Lodge, and we will see all of you beautiful sickos and normies next time.